Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. It is cold out there, Chris. How cold is it? It's... (laughs) I got plenty. I can feel that. We'll just leave it there. This is a family show. Well, we just, Manny and I were just uh, talking about that very thing and how, thank God it was at least holiday week because it would have taken, it took me an hour to get here from my uh, uh, estate over in the Chaska Carver area, which whatever. It's, that, that's an hour. Had, had it been a normal commute day or a normal business day, it would have taken me two. That's You're- how. That's how bad it was. Uh, oh, and tomorrow, we're supposed to get another two to three inches of snow overnight tonight. So I thought we were supposed to get a dusting this morning. We did get a dusting. It was more. It felt like more than a dusting. I didn't get much more than an inch. Did you guys? No, that's what I got. Okay. B- but I was feeling as though it wouldn't be that. I think it's just a combination of, because of how cold it is, the... The, the treatments that they use they on the they, they aren't as useful because it's so cold outside rendered almost virtually yeah. useless but it's so weird because it's um it's sort of like a crystal snow I yeah. mean this this doesn't happen and it's not often. going anywhere by the way because it's gonna be below we're not gonna get above zero again until I believe next Tuesday I was so cocky in early December. When it was sixty, oh, yeah. it's going. Yeah. We, are, we are sniping a winner here. That first this isn't going to happen. That first Saturday of December, uh, the the my my wife and I went down to the man. I went to Mankato State, and Mankato State was playing their big game. I thought the boys were staying at at grandma's. I thought let's drive down to Mankato and go to the game. It was sixty. It was gorgeous. Perfect. Like this is house money. Yeah. I was wearing a sweatshirt. You know, yeah. it was it was great. And you're pitching yourself. And that was re- three weeks ago. I know. It feels like it was about six months ago. It is anyway. brutal. Anyway, so yeah, it does make for 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 quite the drive. So, guys, we are uh, going to uh, turn our attentions for the next couple of segments to football, and uh, National Football League obviously is uh, tuned up, and uh, the uh, Vikings are going to quote take care of business. That's always concerning to me. Why? When they know they got to take care of business, any team does. What usually happens? I have, I, I cannot tell you how little faith I have in the Bears coming in here and giving any I type know, of fight to the Vikings. I know that's the concern, though. But it's the Bears. They're bad. I, I don't, They're bad. I don't trust Mitchell Trubisky and any part of that offense to do anything against the I Vikings defense. I saw that defense. sad outfit play at Lambeau against Green Bay, obviously, yeah. this year. And I was stunned with what I was seeing. And I thought they sort of, maybe, kind of put up a little bit of a fight. For about a half a quarter, was that Aaron Rodgers led Green Bay or that Mitchell? was Aaron Rodgers okay. led Green okay. Bay, and um, and and you know what, he wasn't overly special that day, but man, did they they just help them on both sides of the ball like you wouldn't have believed. Yeah, I'm I'm not I again, this game is somewhat meaningless for the Vikings. I mean, they do have to win officially to get the second seed, but another even if they lost to the Bears, about five different things have to happen for them not to get the number two seed in the NFC. So I'm I'm not. It's gonna be. It'll be a. It'll be more of a party 
on Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium than anything else. This team has been uh, really fun to watch. And, and you know, Manny, you and I were talking about the thing that's really surprised me the most has been, even though he's not flashy, the the running and the effort of Latavius Murray has yeah. been really, I think it's been a, a pleasant addition to this offense this year. Yeah, no, he, he's been really good. And, you, you know, when Dalvin Cook goes down in the manner in which he went down just on a simple, you know, 15, 20-yard run, and yeah. then he just his knee just gives out on him. Um, and the Vikings go on to lose that game to the Lions. You're thinking, oh man, you this are. is, you know, what, and, and and what was the what was the narrative going over Twitter? You know, once again, Minnesota sports, we can't have nice things. And then for Latavius Murray to to step in and Jarek McKinnon too, um, and just be sort of a steady runner. He doesn't fumble the ball a lot. You know, he's he's pretty good in pass protection, and he can catch the ball to the backfield a little bit. He can get into the end zone on short yardage situations. Um, he's he's been um, he's been doing a nice job, and and uh, I think it's really helped Case Keenum and and uh, and Jerick McKinnon too as sort of a complement to the running game has been really strong. Well, you know the thing on the Murray part, which I I wanted to bring up, and you hit it right there, Manny, is that he's a pro, yeah, and he does all of the little things well and right. When you watch uh, Dalvin Cook run, that guy is um, fury. You know, there's just yeah. the body's just moving all over the place and people are kind of bouncing off him and, oh, he gets another seven yards, right? Yeah. With Murray, it's sort of a very tall drink of water who just sort of slashes his way to a gain of three and a half to four every time. Mm-hmm. It's not pretty, but you're right. The pass protection's really good. He can go out and pick up a ball here and there sometimes, but he does the little things well. And I think, as you said, that's afforded Case Keenum the opportunity. The other thing about Case Keenum that's been interesting to me is is his footwork and his lateral footwork yeah. has been way better than I thought it would be. And he seems to get himself out of a lot of trouble, and his vision is incredible. His pocket presence is I, – I never would have imagined he had this kind of pocket presence. Just the ability just to step in and out of – you know, to sort of slide step away from, you know, an, an oncoming rusher or to step he steps up in the pocket really well and he keeps his eyes downfield. Um, he never really looks like he panics, although sometimes he will throw the occasional sort of desperation duck up in the air. <laughs> and, you know, luckily it's, you know, not too many of them have been picked off. But, uh, I mean, he's he's been another guy that, has just he's he's just been doing the job and and it's it's really helped the team. You know, and after after he he rips off twenty one and twenty one or whatever he's doing in a game, yeah. and then you see him force when you go up. Oh, yep, he is a little human there. Um, good to know. Um, but I think that's the part of the discussion that you and I were having before we hopped on here for the show was you've got four quarterbacks in the system all with contracts up, and I said to you, you know, what what do you think you'd have to do? And you said you let it play out. Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, you're saying if if the Vikings go to or win a Super Bowl with Case Keenum, that pretty much answers that. Yes, but I mean, you, you still have decisions to make, of which two of the guys have bad legs. But so much is going to happen between now and then, including the conclusion of this season, and who knows what's going to happen between even now and the end of whatever this Viking runs ultimately ends up being. And it, as many said, it will play itself out. I I don't think. I, and I truly believe Zimmer and whoever else has been speaking when they say, we're not thinking about that right now. I really believe that because, again, they're still in the evaluation process despite everything that Case Keenum has done up to this point. Agreed. So I think like a general manager a little bit because I worked for one 
okay. uh, with the Dallas Stars. Okay. And um, these discussions are being had, and they're trying to figure out, okay, dollars, this is going to be this, this is going to be that. Here's your health here. Here's your health there. You know, th- they have to let it play out, obviously, but you have to have every case scenario mapped out as well so your decision-making process and your discussions can occur. And I just think for this... It's a great problem to have. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you could also make a bad decision, and no matter what you do, something bad could happen next year, and you'll get second guessed. Well, all it's the time. happened to this it's team brutal. every single year for however many. You know, they, Teddy got hurt last year. Yep. They traded for Bradford, and then you know Bradford got hurt. It's it's happened to this team every single year, and that's what has impressed me is their ability to be as resilient as they've been this year, despite the fact that they lost their starting quarterback, they lost their star running back. I think that's what's been as as impressive as anything Isn't that else. The greatest story. So the defense stays what it is, mm-hmm. right? It's 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 as consistent as ever. And then you come back to the offense, which which is where all these weird things have happened, and it's as good as it's been in a few years. Oh yeah, and I again, I was talking to Coles about this earlier today, and he said, "Well, how come the defense has played so much better this year than it played last year towards the tail end?" And I said, "Well, it's because." They were on the field exactly. all the time in the second half of the season because the offense just couldn't stay on the field. They couldn't pick up third downs, and that's defense. Ran they just out of gas got, yeah, they just year. got wore down towards the end of the year. And, and by the way, Harrison Smith getting hurt and missing the last couple of games had as big of impact as any on this team because he's been their best player. Well, you certainly feel like they're in sync across the board. We're going to come back and continue Vikings talk with Kevin Seifert as you're listening to the ride with Patrick Royce. Pete Wagner in for him on 1500 ESPN. Talking purple right now on the ride with Royce. Kevin Seifert from ESPN. It's Kevin Seifert. Here with Kevin Seifert. We have ESPN's Kevin Seifert. It's ESPN.com's NFL Nation reporter Kevin Seifert, presented by Mystic Lake. The guy is virtually everywhere. Of course, it's Kevin Seifert. If you weren't listening, he is ESPN Nation blogger. We're talking purple. Kevin, good afternoon, good evening to you. Uh, we're freezing. How are you doing? <laughs> Uh, a little warmed up after shoveling snow, so that's always a good way to do it. Yeah, you know, you're nothing worse than getting the sweat and then and then yeah. standing in the middle of it. Uh, exactly. You know, we had a little purple discussion before you uh, jumped in, and one of the last topics we were talking about was the quarterback situation and you know how much better this defense or how much stronger it seems to be here in the latter stages of the year. Uh, mostly because you know the offense is keeping them off uh, the field a little bit more this year. Would, would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, that has certainly helped. If you look, if you just kind of look at the Vikings schedule and look at the results, you see uh, point totals going up um, on the Vikings side, and you see uh, point totals going down on the on the on the defensive side. Frankly, and so now it's gotten to the point where I believe the Vikings are now the number one scoring defense in the NFL, having overtaken that from Jacksonville. Uh, Jacksonville gave up some points in their most recent games, and so. You have a, uh, yeah, obviously the number one thing you attribute that to is playing just lights out defense, uh, but absolutely the offense scoring early, uh, in most of these games and, uh, and scoring frequently and holding on to the ball all, uh, certainly aid the defense in that regard. You know, you've been around this team for quite a long time and, and you've seen different versions of it. There's something different, I think, about this group and there's a cohesiveness that you see not only on the offense and the defense and the special teams, but the entire group seems just a little bit different this year. Can you put a, a, a thumbnail on that from what you see? Yeah, I mean, you, what, what I've seen from this team is what you see from other uh, really good teams around the league over the years is that uh, 
as they start winning, they start realizing the things that they can do to keep winning. And we've seen a few Vikings teams start off really hot in recent years and even going back to the early 2000s and then fall off dramatically because they were kind of a one, either a one-trick pony that teams figured out or, uh, or injuries just uh, crushed them, as if, if you look at last year. But this year, uh, to me, like I don't think it's been too complicated they had a really good defense coming in, and everybody's healthy. You know, knock on wood for them. But for the most part, all the guys that they needed to have healthy and in the lineup for them to play the kind of defense that they were expected to play and, and pretty much everyone knew they could play was for those guys to stay on the field. And you look at the season Harrison Smith's had as he's been on the field all year. Uh, even you know, Xavier Rhodes, you look at even Anthony Barr, um, Everson Griffin, all these guys, Linval Joseph, have all been on the field for the most part the entire year. I know Everson Griffin had the foot, but it really does speak, and this is not to take anything away from what they've done, but it really does speak to what teams that, you know, either figure out the fountain of youth uh, somehow or just get fortunate on the injury uh, uh, bug, uh, what they can do when, when, when all those pieces stay together. I think it was Stefan Diggs who said yesterday, that uh, winning, it was either he or Kyle Rudolph, one of those guys said winning yes, uh, winning winning on Sunday is like, you know, really winning two games. You know, it, meaning the bye. To get to the bye. And they, How and critical frankly, is they, that? Yeah, it's, it's big. They could, there are so many scenarios right now where they could they could get uh, a bye even if they lose. They, I think that uh, three teams would have to, um, or three games would have to go certain ways in order for them, if they lose, in order for them to lose out on the bye and for the Panthers to get that bye. So, they, I think ESPN's given them their the football power index has given them like a 99% chance of getting a buy one way or the other, and that seems pretty right to me. So, you know, it's it's definitely big. Um, when you look, when you especially the past four years, I believe the stat is starting with 2013, um, all but one uh, of the Super Bowl teams that had a first round buy. I believe that's right. The ESPN stats and information stat. So. Over the years, we've seen every different possible combination um, of how uh, you know of how um, teams get the Super Bowl. I think back in 2010, when the Packers got there, they were the they had to win their last two games, and they and they went they got the sixth seed and just kept chugging and all and went on the road and won three games and suddenly went to Super Bowl. So you can get there a lot of different ways, uh, either just being really hot uh, when playoff time comes or having a very favorable. Um, a workload schedule from the bye and then having a, at least one home game, which is what the Vikings are hoping to do. So it certainly helps. We've seen plenty of teams go on to win the Super Bowl. We've won have to play in that first round. So uh, I don't know that it locks them into anything in particular, but it's certainly, especially if you have some guys uh, who could use that extra week to recover, whether it's Pat Fline or even Kyle Rudolph, and, you know, on the foot's been bugging him a little bit. Um, and that certainly helps as well. You know, when you when you think about Pat Alfine at uh, center, boy, he's been pretty impressive as a rookie. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think a yeah. difference maker, because that seemed to be a little bit of an issue at that position for a couple of years there. Yeah, I and mean, I think I can't remember if I was talking to Judd about this or, or maybe it was Royce, but you, you, we all know that the Vikings had to improve their offensive line last, you know, during the offseason, and, and, and we all thought it was going to be really difficult because you have to – you potentially replace five guys, you know, or have at least have five new starters at different positions when the season started, as opposed to when it ended last year. And it's really hard to do that in the course of the off season. And we know they signed the two tackles, uh, but a lot of times, if you can go find one guy who's just dominant at his position, especially if it's center, 
um, what it could be left tackle or what have you. But if you have to find a one really dominant guy who comes in and just is a difference maker, um, that can cover for a lot of other, uh, you know, for the natural inability to find five studs at one time. And so uh, that's not taking anything away from the guys that are playing. But I really think that by getting F-line and for him being as good as he is, uh, you know, just mean and nasty and, and creating a lot of those interior holes and handling the line calls and being a pretty good pass blocker and just really being a guy that by all, uh, even the, you know, most of us don't know anything about offensive line play, but when you talk to the people who do, they all rave about the way he has played and the potential he's shown. And, and so you get a guy that's maybe one of the top five guys at the position already in the league. It's that incredible. And go, go a long way to improving an entire group that was probably going to be impossible to find five big time players to play at that uh, at all those spots at one time. He really has lifted that entire group in my opinion. And I I agree with you and, and to be that good at that position and, and basically be a baby at at, yeah. at the NFL. I mean he's just a kid. Yeah. And and you know you look at him and you say, uh, "Wow, this this has been fun to watch." And uh, hopefully his his health will be okay. I mean, because obviously he's critical to that. Now, when you yeah. looked at this team when when you came into the year, I mean, everybody has hopes, and you know, there's not a guy in the room that doesn't think they're going to go to or, or win a Super Bowl or be a playoff team. But I mean, did you really think that this had potential thirteen and three written on it? No, no, and I don't mind admitting that. You know, and we always. You know, when we do preseason caveats, we always admit that there's at least, you know, acknowledge and, you know, with the predictions that there's always two or three teams that come out of nowhere that nobody thought it would have, you know, was in position to, to do this, um, that, that did it. Whether they thought they could or not, who knows? But, you know, I, I don't think too many people are picking out the Vikings as one of the top two, if not the number one team in the, in the NFC. Uh, you know, even probably halfway through the year, I think we were all saying, like, there's, there's no way to continue, you know. Uh, Case Keenum's due for a 10 interception game, and you know this whole the Dalvin Cook thing was debilitating. And so we all, you know, I, I can't say even midway through the year that I thought this was going to be, um, you know, a team that would be in the position that it is now. And so that's just kind of how this league re- evolves, and you know, and and, re- and and how momentum, you know, you start going downhill a little bit, and, and you build up speed, and you find the things that you're good at, and you just keep pounding at it, and. And again, that you stay healthy, and, and the next thing you know, you're you're right there in the conversation for the Super Bowl. So there'll be teams like that next year. There'll be teams that that are really good right now. I don't know who they are right now. Maybe the Patriots, maybe the Steelers, maybe the Eagles. I, I don't know. Someone, there's somebody that's really good right now that will open the year as a favorite to go to the Super Bowl and will crash and burn. And that's just the way this league has always managed to to. Um, Except on very rare occasions, has always managed to uh, to, to function, and so um, no, I, I don't think I could have. I'm not. I'm not. I'm certainly not embarrassed to say because I think I was in a in a large group of uh, of people who thought the same. I've been right there with you. We're speaking with ESPN Nation blogger Kevin Seifert. We're talking purple. Now this chatter about uh, uh, Sam Bradford, you know, being potentially available. What's really going to happen there? You know, I, I, there's no harm in in, in, um, in seeing where he is. Uh, you know, crazier things have happened. I don't think it means that the, there's any concern for Case Keenum not being the starter or even Teddy Bridgewater being the backup. But if you go into the playoffs and you don't, we all know from Vikings history, you don't have too many chances. Uh, at, at least the Vikings haven't had too many chances where they're in such good position. I think to make a Super Bowl run, and if if catastrophe strikes. And 
you lose two quarterbacks, uh, would you rather have to start a playoff game with Sam Bradford or with Kyle Felder? You know, so that's or somebody else yeah. that you signed off the street. And so that's really the the emergency break the glass planning that I think that they're in right now. I don't, you know, I, we don't even know if he's going to be healthy enough to to play. You know, um, we don't know the condition of his knee yet, but. There, you know, there's nothing, no harm in giving it a shot. I don't think it threatens anybody or or gives any suggestion that a depth chart uh, shakeup would would be coming. But you know, in a catastrophe, it would be better to have him if he can play than than somebody who's never played an NFL game. Wouldn't that be great to go into the postseason with Keenum, Bridgewater, Bradford as your one, two, three? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, that's, not uh, many teams could say that. No, that would, and they're all on the last year of their contract, too. Which we were talking about prior, and that's for a whole other topic, and I'm going to yeah. let you and Patrick sort that out sure. next week, right? Okay. Uh, do we take a break, Corey? Or Chris? Okay, we're gonna, we are gonna got time for one more question for you here. Uh, you, you know, when, you, when, you, when you look into the, the postseason planning with these teams, obviously a lot of this stuff has to play itself out. I, wanted, I will ask you that question. If you have these four quarterbacks and you've got decisions to make, what what do you do? Well, you know, I was always of the mind that it was a pointless debate because Teddy Bridgewater was their guy, and 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 it was Mike Zimmer's guy, and and Spielman drafted him, and we everybody loves him, and that you know I assumed at some point he would get in the lineup this year, and it would reestablish and be a, a, a question that wouldn't need to be really answered that uh, with much debate in the off season. But now it's it's different. I think you definitely have to consider what Case Keenum has done. Um, you know who knows if yeah obviously in in a combination with Pat Shermer um and who knows whether he'll be back next year whether he'll get a head coaching job but when you look at the, at what they've been able to do and you look at you know the history of quarterbacks uh a lot of them aren't ready to play when they're 23 24 years old and they sometimes they get it when they're 29 or as case Keenum is and they go on the long successful careers as a starter um you know, and so you have to. It's it's a great decision, a great position to be in, but it's a really tough decision because you you know you can't pay all of them, and um, some of them are not going to want to come in if they're not guaranteed uh, uh, to be a to be the starter. And I wouldn't blame them for that. But I think it would be hard to avoid uh, uh, really taking a hard look at what Case Keenum has done and and uh, give a long hard thought to whether the initial plan of having Teddy eventually take back over. Um, maybe got outdated. It's not like Case Keenum's been your classic game manager. No, I mean he's been no. making plays and, and and he's he's been effective. Yeah, and we had always talked about the, you know them needing to go downfield more, and that was sort of the talk about you know when at, at the end of Teddy Bridgewater's second year, for him to take that next step, he's really got to be more aggressive and throw the ball downfield, and that's really Case Keenum's strength. I mean. I don't know that Adam Thielen has the, has the year that he's had without Case Keenum being, you know, really, you know, not just looking downfield, but firing downfield. And, and it sounds simple. And I know Adam Thielen's open a lot, but not all quarterbacks, you know, look that way. And we've definitely seen guys here in, in, in recent history who much prefer the, the shorter, more, uh, more reliable pass and, and, and they rack up that the completion percentage and, um, you know, don't always take those shots downfield, but they're there. Um, if you have that mindset, and that's one thing there's never been a doubt about with Case. Indeed there hasn't. Kevin, great stuff. Thanks for joining us here on this chilly Thursday evening. All right, thanks for having me. You bet. That was ESPN Nation blogger Kevin Seifert. We were talking purple. We're going to continue with the ride right here on 1500 ESPN.
And we're going to move our attentions now to uh, Golden Gopher basketball. They're off till they play Harvard coming up on Saturday. And uh, we have a guy that covers them in the uh, St. Paul Pioneer Press and TwinCities.com. It's going to be Nick Kelly. Nick, how are you? Doing well, Pete. The, the phrase Christmas came early. It's thrown around a lot. But getting to ride the airwaves with you once again, Christmas oh, came later. Wow. Look at that. Checks in the mail. <laughs> nice. Uh, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Uh, at Ritter Arena right now where the Schwanz Cup is underway, so if you hear some sticks slapping the some ice, some eruptions. That is what that is. So, uh, <laughs> exactly. so, so there have been a few games played out since 10 o'clock, all the finals there for the Open Bronze and Silver. Is the Silver underway right now? Just wrap it up. Yeah, so Creighton uh, won the Silver big time, 9-2. Uh, to two. And, o- and Over they, Minneapolis? They, yes, they were the favorite in that one because – they came. They're ranked number. They came in ranked number ten in Class AA, um, and so in, as far as their competition in that field, there's no one quite there uh, at that level. Uh, so they they won quite easily, nine to two over Minneapolis. And then uh, the Gold Division uh, final will be the uh, I believe it's the Hillary Pioneers and the Minnetonka Skippers. Actually, St. Thomas Academy. Oh, I'm sorry, St. Thomas. Three. Ooh, I, yeah. look at that. I covered the game, and I totally uh, all the scores have <laughs> melded into one. The cadets of St. It's a rematch from an earlier game that they uh, opened up the season with. Yes, it is. They started the season five to four. The Skippers won that one in overtime, actually. Yes. And so you can bet that these cadets are certainly they, they circled this one, hoping to get the chance to get at Minnetonka again because they haven't lost since that game. We'll have a good chance in this one on a fairly big stage. So you've been hanging out at the University of Missouri. You write like you're about 50 years old. You're you're just, why do you even go to school? I mean, what are you doing? I mean, you don't even need to. I mean, you, you got a job at the Pioneer Press. <laughs> well, my mother would make sure oh, she would send sorry. me back to school if I decided otherwise. Don't tell don't tell Mama <laughs> I just said that. That would be a bad idea. But, uh, no, it's total complimentary of your work and, and great stuff you do. I appreciate that. Uh, you were covering the Gophers last week when they had that uh, win uh, against, uh, what was it, Florida Atlantic, I believe it was. Yeah, that's uh, correct. It was a 95-60, and you know we've got some issues going on with with some health, and you know maybe some time off. They'll open up. They'll play again on uh, Saturday, I believe it is, against Harvard. Uh, but uh, Nate Mason gets injured, and he's now listed as day to day. Have you gotten any updates on that? Yeah, so that was the crazy thing, like you said, 95 to 60. But no one really cared about the results after Nate Mason went down. Uh, yeah, he went down with a left ankle injury, and a lot of people thought maybe it was an Achilles injury, but the Gophers that night updated that it's going to be day-to-day. And since then, uh, Richard Pertino, the coach, has said that he's going to continue to be day-to-day. He might miss some time, but not near as much as they thought, that they may definitely dodged a bullet. So, you know, and he said he's a tough kid, too, so if there's any uh, lingering effects there, that's going to certainly uh... – uh, be nice for him to get through, no question uh, about that. So this Gopher basketball team, you know, being in and around it a little bit from what you're doing, really off to a hot start. They're getting in that top 10 category, lose a couple of tough games, have the close one against Drake. Uh, they're 11-3. and three. They fall out of the top 25. Uh, this team has had a grinder of a schedule, especially with the Big Ten starting early, uh, what they're not used to. Where is this team at as a group, as a whole, from what you can tell as far as moving forward? Have they gotten through that a little bit, or is there still a little trepidation? Well, this Nate Mason thing certainly throws things a little off for them because he's basically the leader. He was all Big Ten last year. He's the point guard. As Patino said, you can't just replace Nate Mason. 
But I think they were finally starting to get stabilized with some of these, granted, yeah, mid-majors, but you have to win those games and get some confidence and get some momentum, especially when your bench, they lost Curry, who was their top six man last year. And without him, they definitely had to figure some things out on the bench. And they've started to, to get some experience for that bench because you can't really get great experience and have great opportunities for growth against teams like Nebraska because they bumped up uh, Big Ten play this year. And so their bench is a big thing that they need to continue to strengthen. And especially now if Nate Mason misses time because Isaiah Washington is a freshman. He has potential, but he has not necessarily reached – that potential at times this year. I mean, he's a freshman, so he's still got a ways to go. But he's he would be the top point guard at that position unless they move some guys around without Nate Mason. And and there's also you know the Eric Curry thing. I I think you know you can't talk about who's hurt and who's not there, but that that has really been a. I think that's been a tough loss for this team. Has there has there a feeling that they're able to replace him through committee, or, or what, what's your feeling on that? To be honest, they're trying to figure that out, too. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's... Richard, right. I mean, R- Richard Pertino is kind of saying the same thing. They just need to figure out who can step up. Michael Hurt, who's a Rochester guy, actually, he has had some uh, more significant minutes. He got two starts in the last two games, and that time for him is big because, again, he he couldn't really get that growth against teams like Nebraska and when they're facing these top ten opponents, too. So... They're developing that depth, but thus far this season, until these last two games against mid-majors, that depth has not been there on the bench. Well, and that's where the concern has been coming. They're playing the mid-majors. The depth hasn't been coming through uh, when it's been needed, and you're getting banged up against the good ball clubs in some wars of games, and when you want to start getting into the Big Ten playoffs, and then you start getting into the NCAAs, you know, I mean, at 11-3 and three with some nice wins, sure. provided it's going to happen. But, I mean, at some level, you've got to get that bench squared out and, and figure out who can fill in where and, and take advantage of things. But the old adage in sports are you're only as good as your health. Right. No, exactly. I mean, that that bench last year was key for this Gophers team that surprised a lot of people. And now they have all these expectations, unfortunately, obviously with Curry going down, that hurt a lot of things and hurt their plans. But, it really exposed the lack of depth they have. But they do feel like they're continuing to build it, and that's what you do against these mid-majors. Well, they're not going to be surprising anybody anymore, obviously, when you start getting into the uh, uh, you know, 10, 11, 12 ranked area for, for a period of time during the season, and you did what, what, what you did last year. It's not a surprise anymore for, for, for that basketball team. So uh, we're, we're going to have to keep our eye on them uh, very closely. And then as you, you round out, uh, which do you prefer covering, high school hockey, college basketball, or Mizzou football? <laughs> well, they all present their their fun things about them. I, I have to be honest, down in Missouri, there's not much hockey, so I am enjoying being back in a rink. Now, I did forget about bringing some warm clothing. Cause oh, that, that place is brutal. It is. It is no, chilly, Ritter, so. no, I was there two days ago, Nick. It is. If you're going to the championship game tonight, please dress appropriately. Yeah. It's that well, bad. Right. Hopefully I did tonight, but yeah, I, I uh, got in my car and cranked the heat last night after I was done covering the semis, and, and uh, I, yeah, I think I it, took it, it took me about 15 minutes to unthaw. So. Halfway down 35 to Lakeville, it finally went from cold to warm, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That, that, that's the biggest anomaly on earth. Nick, thanks for joining us here today. Enjoy your time at Ritter Arena. We appreciate your time here on the program. Thank you, Pete. Great to join you again. Uh, thank you once again. The ride, Pete Wagner and for Patrick Royce, and continues right after this.
Or to dig this one out. Uh, this one is from the heavy rotation. I have no idea where it came from, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah, a little Motown here. The Roycey rotation. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's got a nice eclectic mix, doesn't he? I like stuff from the... Uh... Yeah, he, like, yeah. He, he's, Ooh, he's a Motown guy. Boy, that's good. He's a definite Motown guy. Do you, do, you guy. do that impression you sleep, Chris? Usually, I always do it when I hear his live ad in here, and then I <laughs> do it to Manny. <laughs> you know, you start break. bringing it back? Kind of yeah. entertains us during the during the commercial breaks. But yeah. Rookie does a really, yeah, really I good can't Roycey. compete with Rookie's Who does Roycey? the laugh, the infectious laugh? <laughs> The Roycey laugh? Yeah, it's, not, it's just like unmarked. It's unmatched. I think it's probably Rook. Can you do it? I can't. I can't do it. Oh. No, I can't hold the Manny, candle to it. can you bring it? No. Oh. I don't know. I don't you know. should try I don't it. I think I can do it. Oh, it, it's a good one. It's a cackle. Kind of. Well, he well, well, Pat's got two kind of laughs. He's got the one he's got kind of the giggle. Yeah. And then he's got the the he's got the cackle. I see the cackle. So so when he goes to the giggle, that's fine. But when, when when he gets going full cackle, it's over. I mean, because then the whole room is erupting and you can't hear a word anybody's saying. I'm trying to see if we even have one captured, but I can't. Oh, even, you I can't, I can't that. find you it. Gotta play that over and over. <laughs> oh, that one that we say we cannot definitely play from Pat. That was an off-air tirade. We, we, <laughs> oh, no. we, we, what is it? No, I can't. It's, it's filled with profanity. Oh. And, uh, we, we violate you, everything. Out. Go Jerry Burns on me. Well, see, what's funny is, uh, you know, when we have to, like, for instance, when Pat's on an extended leave, I've got to take him to the other room and do a, like a Valley Group ad or a Canopy yeah. Group ad because I've got to run those in rotation during his absence. So he'll get usually Pat's a what we call a four take kind of a guy. So he'll get about 15 seconds in and then he'll misspeak or whatever. And then it's bleeping, bleeping, bleep. I can't I can't even read my own writing. You know, it's. <laughs> So it's about it's it's that kind of stuff. So, but I always like to save that because then when he's gone, I like to play it in in my own you know off the air because it, it warms my heart. You know that legendary Jerry Burns tirade. Oh, of course. Oh, we, okay. oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know you know I, I happened to be there for that. Oh, you were 1989. Okay, it was unbelievable. You and weren't there, like in, in I the, was in, in the, the press, press room. room. Okay, wow. yeah. Who were you working for at the uh, time? Do I do I, uh, KLGR Radio Redwood Falls? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah absolutely. B- meaningless. Uh, Twenty. Well, Two-year-old chump. My favorite about it is not the the it's the tirade itself no, is great, but the fact what, that he finally calmed down and then Pat stirred up the hornet's nest. Okay, so, 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 okay. so, yeah, so exactly. So I'm sitting there, uh, second row, right? Mm-hmm. And he's up there, and he is just livid because they had shown uh, Schnel- uh, Schnelker on the scoreboard, and they booed him, and they booed him. Yeah. Okay, and so then you know he's just going off on that whole scene, and then um, it ends, and then Patrick was standing over on the right. And, you know, he was, and he looked out at everybody with his trademark snicker, mm-hmm. like, watch this. And he goes, hey, Jerry, the Schnelker endorsements, does that have anything that stems from today? Yeah. And, 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 and he looks over at him and he takes the <gasps> deep breath and you go, oh, boy. You know, and it was just on and it was awesome. And, and the best is when we had a trap, trap play called. Uh-huh. And Anderson, to call Alfred timeout. Anderson, we're, we're call, call a bleep and timeout. And Anderson's shoe comes bleeping, off. Comes off. <laughs> oh, my word. And so I'm sitting here. This is my first real expo- exposure to big league sports. I'm 23 years old and 89, sitting here going, this is pretty awesome. Yeah. What, but what I but I'm not going to make that guy, man. I was scared of him <laughs> because he was intense. And, 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 and the best was, did you hear what he said at the end? Uh, I don't recall what he says at the so end. So he just basically told every fan how useless they were. Sure. And just ripped them to shreds. And then he goes, bleepin' bleepers, and he walks yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I, I nearly bursted out laughing. Well, what I loved, too, about it was 
he goes on sort of the first half of his rant. Yeah. And then somebody somebody goes, did you win this game? Yeah, that was Sansevier. I, yeah. I, th- I think we yeah. did, yeah. I yeah. think we did. Th- yeah. And then he started to calm down. <laughs> and then he was too calm, and then Patrick jumps in and just absolutely rocked the boat. See, I think phenomenal. Th- one of the, that's the most underrated part about sports and covering sports is there's nothing better than a good old-fashioned coaching tirade after a game. That was We don't get those anymore. We really don't. Everybody's too – I mean, you'll get one, but now – it's met with such harsh criticism that coaches are so reluctant to have a. They don't I mean, want to get fired. Well, they, yeah, and they're they're so worried about public outcry, and everybody's so sensitive in 2017 that nobody can really. And again, Patrick and Bursey were friends; like they they know each he other was, well. They're laughing about it right. when they walk out. It that was, was all, great. It was all show. It and, was and, phenomenal. And, and Pat knew what buttons to push, and it knew that he great. could get away with it, and knew that Bursey <laughs> would give him exactly what he wanted. It was so good. I mean, I have the original cassette somewhere. Do you really? From my from my tape player that was plugged into the board. I do. I gotta find oh, it. It's, awesome. it's it's in a box somewhere. I love going on YouTube just to watch the unedited version of it. Oh, it's, it's, it's no so one was good. more of a poet with profanity than Burns. No, he made up new words. Yeah, I mean, he, there were words you didn't know existed. I mean, he 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 took that word and turned it inside out. Yeah, it was impressive. I mean, but but the thing was, is um, nobody loved his guys more than Burnsy. Oh yeah, and they played for him, and they played hard for him, and uh, boy, he was an absolute piece of work. So that 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 Patrick stuff was hilarious, my, and uh, I'll never forget it. My stepdad um, was a running back for the Vikings for seven years back when Burnsy was the coordinator back in the seventies in the Super Bowl years, and he ran into. I always love him. He tells the story of he ran into Burnsy maybe about five six years ago, and he said it was the first conversation he had ever had with Jerry Burns that did not contain a swear word. What? No the way. The first one. In having known Burnsy for 40-plus <laughs> years from you know playing under him and everything, first conversation he had impossible. with him. Tell me, though, that Oscar went, Burnsy, give me no, one he, cuss he, word. He, no, he, no, he, see, he's, he I'm uncomfortable. Said, give me one Please. cuss word. He, he told me, Oscar told me, he said, I, I asked him. I said, "Bernsey, you you feeling okay? What's what, what, you, you, <laughs> what's you with all the well, is, is your grandkid true? around? Is that well, that's that that's what he said. Oh. Bernsey said, "Yeah, you know, I got the grandkids now, so I okay. can't." Oh, the Garter brothers, okay. yeah, okay. Connor and Casey, the former Hornet stars. Um, the the the, the a couple more Bernsey stories uh, before we go there, but but the one I used to love about Tommy Kramer is he'd walk into the Rusty Scupper in Bloomington, the I Rusty mean, Scupper, just a hellhole. Okay. I mean, a watering you needed, hole in, you needed, in, in Bloomington. He, you needed to put the green suit on. Okay. I mean, mm. <laughs> okay. So he'd walk in there. And you know what he'd do? Uh. Uh-uh. He'd go up to the front desk and he'd say, "We page Tommy Kramer for a phone call, please." And they go, "Tommy Kramer, you have a phone call." And he'd walk through so everybody could see. Him. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, but 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 the legend has it is that when 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 the when the Vikings players would drive down Anderson Lakes Parkway. In Eden Prairie, which was known as the Gauntlet yep. at the time, yep. just DWI way, uh, it was Bernsey that would get to the uh, jail and work things out. Ah, that's what I've understood. I don't know good... if that's true. It's a legend. Sure. I don't know if it's true, but can sure. you see it? Well, yeah. You know, I mean, it's such a different era too. Where I mean, now with social media and I mean, well, reporting the way it is with the police, there's I mean, no way that Keith Millard could run into a Hardee's in Mankato and everything just be. We'll deal with this internally. So, that so wouldn't I happen to, in 2017. I used to party hard with Keith Millard. Oh, boy. So, so uh, boy, was that a mistake. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know how How'd you I'm survive? Alive. I don't know how So here's what happened. So I'd meet the guy. I'm at that same job, and I'm like just whatever. 
And uh, he he comes up, you know, he has that California boy voice. He goes, "Dude, I kind of like you. <laughs> You're real, man. You're not like the rest." So, uh, so he, I was like, he and Rick Fenny's little uh, uh, play tool. You know, they they just take me out, and it was just incredible. I I've never been more hammered. I've that got, was crazy. I've got to imagine, and I've never met Keith Millard. I've never spoke to him, but just judging him from, you know, he, he was a guy that I watched when I was a kid. I'm, I'm going to guess that going out with a guy like him wasn't quiet. I'm going to guess that <laughs> it was a spirited outing. It wasn't quiet. Yeah. Um, he introduced me as the kick returner because ah! I'm 5'8". <laughs> okay. right? This is our kick returner. Yeah. Okay, great. And uh, he was absolutely a barrel of laughs. Actually... You know, my guns are stronger than yours. Hilarious. Oh, God, yeah. I love the guy. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I thought he was really funny. Hey, good job today, man. Hey, thanks. It was a lot of fun. I hope we can do it, to, do it again. You got it.